What's up everybody? Gen X Dividend Investor here. So this is a very tough video for me to make, but I think you will really enjoy it. I'm going to tell you about the most profound experience of my life and what I learned going through it. Many of my subscribers have been asking me to share the story about the time I sold out of my entire dividend and growth portfolios in recent years that I've been building up since the 90s, only to buy all my stocks back months after selling them all. I've been avoiding doing this because it's quite an emotional topic for me. But then I realized there are some extremely valuable lessons that you can learn, so I decided to finally do this. So bear with me as I make this video, as I'll probably have to do it in multiple takes to keep my emotions in check. I once mentioned on my Discord how I went through a process with an estate lawyer to craft my will, and how my lawyer was pushing back on my request when I asked her to make it so that when my kids inherit my dividend portfolio, they wouldn't be allowed to sell the principal. The lawyer was pushing back because she said that it wasn't a good idea to tie the hands down to the people who are inheriting something, because there may be important reasons why they would need to sell. Anyways, in that Discord chat I also explained how a coworker at a previous job had told me a story about when her father had died. He had an incurable disease and his death was really tough on her and her family, and how she had desperately wished that he had left her a letter or video as a final goodbye memento. But what I didn't mention that day in my Discord was that the reason that coworker was telling me about her father's death was because I had just told her I was scheduled to go into a risky surgery myself and my odds of dying were material. She was surprised because everyone at work knew me as the healthy guy who was always eating right and constantly working out, but sometimes your genetics deal you a hand that isn't ideal. Let me tell you, your life changes when you're sitting in front of a doctor and you hear what your percentage odds of making it through a surgery are. My doctor had shied away from answering my questions about the statistical rates of survival for what I was going to go through. He clearly didn't want to show me the data, but I was persistent with wanting to know. If you rewind back when I was younger, I had always felt invincible. Probably most people do. Death and health issues were things that happened to other people, but things can change in an instant in life. That's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. What started out as a routine health checkup with my doctor evolved into the fact that I had been born with some issues that didn't manifest until I was older, which then led to some cascading complications, which then finally meant I needed to do a potentially life-threatening surgery. My doctor told me that I needed to fill out some paperwork on if I wanted the plug pulled if the surgery left me in a vegetative state. The hospital counseled me to get my affairs in order, like my will. That's when it dawned on me how little I had prepared my family in case I died unexpectedly. My wife didn't know the state of our finances. Heck, she didn't even know all the passwords to our accounts. I've always been the person who dealt with money in the family. When my wife sees my dividend portfolio spreadsheet, she says she gets anxiety because there are too many numbers. She goes cross-eyed. Now, for the people who have been watching my channel, you know that I started investing in the 90s, and I was tracking everything in spreadsheets. But in the 2000s, the laptop that I would stored my portfolio spreadsheet on crashed. You see, back then, storing stuff on the internet was still in its infancy. YouTube didn't even exist. I took my laptop in to get fixed, but they wanted $1,000 to try to recover the data. I said forget it. That's when I realized I should have backed up my data. But even now, I'm not good at backing things up. Anyways, I lost all my detailed stock data. I used to track everything like cost basis and average cost per share and such. After I lost all my laptop data, I stopped tracking every little detail of my stock transactions because my brokerage just had it. But I still like tracking things like how many total shares I had and how much they dripped and such. Now I've switched brokerages many times since the 90s. Sometimes when I switched jobs and sometimes when I wanted to get a promotion at a brokerage or sometimes when I found functionality in a broker I wanted. One thing I surprisingly learned throughout the years was that some brokers eventually purge your data. I think they have a requirement to only hold on to it for six years after you move your account out of them. I also learned that when you move between brokers, sometimes all the information doesn't transfer properly, and a good rule of thumb is that after you transfer, you check everything out, your cost basis, your dates, etc. 
For example, I have one stock in my E-Trade account right now that says that I originally purchased it in 1969. I'm not kidding. It says one of my stocks was purchased years before I was even born. So I didn't realize you need to do these things like checking every part of your stock info when you move brokerages. And I just assumed when you moved into a broker, all the underlying information such as your cost basis were guaranteed to move. So long story short, my original cost basis has got lost over the years and I never checked and it didn't come up because I wasn't selling. The downside was that some stocks kept their cost base over the years and others didn't. So whenever I went to sell, it became a nightmare for taxes. Since I had no documentation proving my original purchases, I ended up paying full taxes at a cost base of $0 for the ones where the information didn't flow properly. Why am I telling you all this? Well, three main things occurred to me. Number one, my wife is bad with numbers. Number two, my dividend portfolio had over 20 stocks in it and additionally I had a growth portfolio with a bunch of positions in it as well and most of that had various tax implications. Number three, I felt that if I wasn't there to manage my stocks, because for some reason if I didn't make it through the surgery, then my wife would struggle to know what to do with my dividend portfolio and my growth portfolio, especially when she was dealing with mourning and being a single parent and having to sell the house and a slew of other issues. So I was in a bit of a pickle. I knew I had to go into surgery where I might not make it, and I had portfolios that I thought would be tough for my wife to manage, coupled with a complex tax situation. So I thought I'd do a variant of what Buffett plans to do in his will. I would sell all my stocks using a six-figure tax write-off I had and then I'd move everything into VU. Also about 6% of my portfolio was in tax-sheltered accounts already, so I didn't care much about cost basis and taxes. This way I could consolidate from dozens of positions across my portfolios into what effectively was one, and then I'd be there to address the tax issues. And I figured that odds were that this simpler approach would enable her to simply match the performance of the market, which I was happy with. So all I need to do is to make sure my wife understood simple things like logging into our account and turning the drip on or off and knowing how to transfer cash out of the account if she wanted. Then I knew that if I made it through surgery, I could go back to individual positions again and establish a new cost basis that I actually make sure was appropriate going forward. There are some other details and nuances, but that's the 50,000 foot view of the situation. And that's why I sold all my positions, but I wasn't done yet. I created a document that spelled out step-by-step -step instructions for what my wife or kids should do if something happened to me what to do with the house, who she could reach out to to help with various aspects of our assets, like what number she could call to find out about my pension or social security. I included information about all of our assets. I told her about my credit cards and which ones were set up to pay various bills recurringly and which ones came in the mail and such. In the document, I showed how to move cash between a variety of accounts we have. I also updated all my beneficiaries on my accounts. I made sure all the important websites and accounts and assets and bills and everything was documented and I spelled out what should be done with each. I explained how to access the passwords to our accounts. I then walked my wife through the document and also told a close friend about it so that he could be there to help her. Then came the hard part. I decided I wanted to take the advice of my coworker, and I would craft letters and videos for my wife, my son and my daughter. The first step I did was to write down some key bullet points on what I wanted to say in my letters and videos. This was tough. Really tough. I told my daughter things like, I'm sorry I couldn't physically be there for her, but know that whenever she needed me, I'd be there, in her heart and her soul, and I'd definitely be there for special occasions, like on the day she got married, if that's the path she takes. I told her how I wish I could see what career she chooses for herself, and that I was so proud of who she was. I told her how much I loved her. I told my son how proud I was of who he was, as well as who I'm sure he would become, and how he would need to take special care of mommy and sissy with me not being there. I told my wife how she was the most wonderful person in the world and how I wanted her to be happy if I wasn't there, and that I was sorry this had happened. I made sure that no one was around when I was creating these letters and videos, because I didn't want them to see the tears streaming down my face. It was... tough to do. 
Then I stored these letters and videos in places they would eventually find. Okay, now I'm going to jump ahead and go straight to after the surgery. Spoiler, I didn't die. Now I'm going to tell you about the most profound experience in my life and what I learned going through this ordeal. I remember it was evening time after my surgery and a nurse helped me shuffle down the hallway. She took me to a large window overlooking the highway and it was there that I had my powerful moment as I stood in my patient's gown with a nurse at my side. This moment was more powerful to me than the time I got married or seeing my kids being born. The sun was setting and I saw rush hour traffic heading home. I noticed, for what seemed like the first time in my life, how wonderfully warm the sun felt on my skin. It was inexplicably pleasant. I noticed new sounds in the hospital that before I was numb to. The whir of a computer printer, people talking, papers rustling. I stood at the window wondering what all those people in their cars were thinking as they drove, following their daily patterns of life. I wondered how they felt. I had been in and seen rush hour traffic a million times before, usually with a sense of annoyance, but not this time. And then a tidal wave of emotions rocked me as the realization hit me. I was alive. Everything around me was alive. The trees outside were beautiful. My hospital socks were green. I loved them. The floor was so smooth. The handrail was cool to the touch. I could hear my breathing, in, out. The sun outside was sparkling off rooftops. It was exhilarating. Was I coming off a morphine high? Maybe. It reminded me of the first time I went solo skydiving. You don't feel like you're falling, which is what bungee jumping feels like. And it doesn't feel like when you're driving fast and go down a hill unexpectedly and get that rush in your gut. No, it feels like you're flying. My first jump I experienced a sort of sensory overload, where I had this rush of new sensations I'd never before experienced. It was wonderful. So as I stood there in the hospital, the realization that I was alive was truly amazing, and that brought its own onslaught of emotions. That I was grateful, that I loved life, that I loved my family. I felt like I loved everything. I'll bypass all the sadness with my family and bring this back to my portfolios. I was excited to get back to my passion of dividend investing. I realized that I needed to better prepare my family to be able to confidently manage our portfolio if something happened to me again. And so now you can understand what the ultimate catalyst was for my channel. So yes, it was to document my process and thoughts behind my passion for dividend investing for my kids, but it was also for my wife. I originally planned to keep these videos private and just for my family, but my wife suggested I should share my experiences with the world. I wanted to create enough in-depth material that should something ever happen to me, I'd feel that at least I had done what I could to prepare them. So I was very motivated after my surgery to create my channel. I felt like time was ticking, and you never know when the rug will be pulled out from under you. So what did I learn from all this? Well, in no particular order, here are 10 lessons I learned. Number one, make sure you have a will in place if you have any material amount of assets. It's easy to put it off, but if you are married or have kids, then for their sake, get your assets in order. Number two, make sure all your beneficiaries are defined in your accounts. Number three, work with your significant other, if you have one, to ensure you both understand the state of your finances, your accounts, your passwords, and collaboratively work to achieve financial literacy. That's what I'm working on right now with my wife. Number four, consider leaving some notes or even videos to your loved ones in case something ever accidentally happens to you. That might provide a little bit of unexpected happiness in their lives once you're gone, and it's hard for me to put a value on that. Perhaps tell a close friend where you're storing those videos maybe on YouTube. Number five, if you ever do move between brokers, check all the data, not just if your total number of shares moved over, right? Number six, back up your data. Number seven, appreciate what you have. Don't long for what you don't have. The most important thing you have is your health. Number eight, slow down and literally smell the flowers now and then. Don't constantly be rushing through life. Don't defer all gratification. 
nor should you defer preparing to have a strong financial future. Be balanced. I used to be constantly on the go, coming places, going places, always feeling rushed. Now when I walk, I try to enjoy where I am and what I'm experiencing. An engine blaring, people arguing, babies crying. I'm so lucky that I still get to experience life. And yet it took me facing the tangible possibility of death to wake up to the beauty of life and what really matters. Life is precious. People say that all the time, but how often do we take a moment to reflect on what those three words really mean? And life can change in an instant. Number nine, don't be a jealous person. You truly don't know what challenges others face or have faced, even if on the surface their life seems rosy. Be happy for others' success. And finally, number 10, be compassionate, be caring, bring joy to others. Life can be harsh, but it is also an amazingly beautiful gift you have been given. I once read that the likelihood of being born is trillions to one. You have already won the lottery of life. Unfortunately, we tend not to value what we have, who we are. What matters most are the simplest things in life. Can you see, smell, hear, touch, feel, talk? Can you walk? Can you breathe without pain? Can you see colors? Can you appreciate the taste of food? Is there food in your belly? All of those things are infinitely more valuable than your dividends. Steve Jobs probably would have given billions of dollars to live one more peaceful day on this earth. What are you going to do with your day tomorrow? Thank you for watching all the way to the end. These videos take a tremendous amount of time and energy to create, so liking my video is a simple way you can thank me. Please subscribe if you haven't yet, and consider checking out my Patreon page or my affiliate links in the description of this video. My first Patreon king signed up, so thank you to AC. I truly appreciate you and I'm grateful for your support. I also had another person sign up at the Dividend Aristocrat tier, and his name is Jacob Saucier. So thanks Jacob. It was really fun chatting with you and I look forward to seeing where you can take your future projection spreadsheet. Next I want to thank my Patreon champions. So thank you to Joe Waite with his notes saying keep up the good work and thank you to Justin Zemke who said he was honored to be a Patreon and thank me for what I do. Thanks Justin and Joe. I'm honored by your kind words and that you are both willing to directly support me like that and I'm here to serve both you as well as everyone who's on this financial improvement journey. I want to thank MJ Regan 88 along with Pierre Curie who I recently featured in a video. I also want to thank another Patreon champion and one of my friends in the great country of Canada, Treble Charger. I'd like to thank Quang, who said thanks for providing great content and keeping me focused on my goal. I also want to thank Z Freedom, who said he had signed up because he thought I provided good quality videos as well as an awesome platform in Discord so we can chat about his favorite topic with other passionate dividend investors. I run the world's largest free dividend Discord chat server, and the last time I checked we had 2,634 dividend investors on it, and it's growing all the time. Consider joining it and be one of the original founding members, as I only started it in December of 2019, so we are still in year one. Finally, I mentioned thanking Yoguru in my last video for being a server booster, but I also want to thank him for all the work he's done creating nice emojis for us to use on the Discord server. Who would have guessed that emojis could be so much fun? Oh, and this just in. Two of my friends just started out new YouTube channels. The first is Investing with Pierre, aka Pierre Curie of PSR fame. His channel is literally just launching, so go and subscribe so you can be with him from the very beginning as he starts posting videos. The other new channel that is just starting out is called Ethos Investing, run by my friend Dan. He plans to highlight various financial topics and tools, assess the impacts of geopolitical developments on the global market, all the while building the mindset necessary to enable desired financial outcomes. I'll put links to their channels in the description of this video. Go check them out and subscribe. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Thanks everybody, and I look forward to chatting with you all real soon. I am not a financial advisor and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.